man. Well, I appreciate you being on the program, and man, I'm looking forward to. Th- I've been looking forward to this for for weeks, man. For you first agreed, I thought, wait a minute, Joe's gonna come on my show. Man, lucky dog, the cowboy is today. I, I done hit this like hitting the lottery, man. Because we're talking about some good news here. You wrote a book full of good news, and people are always looking for direction. They're always looking for guidance. Says nobody's telling me nothing. God's not even talking to me. My neighbor's not talking to me. Um, you know what I mean? Seeking, and you're saying, from what I gather, is that the Creator is embedding His message in everything around us in our in our present world. Right. I, I've written a book. It's called Reaching God's Speed. Here it is for your viewers if they haven't seen it. There's a website for plenty of more information with free videos and lots of information. It's called reachinggodspeed.com. And you will learn that every single thing that we experience, whether it's commercials on TV or songs that we hear on the radio or popular movies, the most popular ones of all time, Mm -hmm. the words we speak to each other, the... uh, natural things in life that we experience, they're all embedded with God's message. He is broadcasting, he's a broadcaster, broadcasting good news on every single frequency, so we have no excuse to not follow him. People will say, you know, I've never heard the message of God. You're hearing the message of God 24 hours a day, no matter what you're doing. And so I've written this book to basically open up people's eyes, open up people's ears, so they have ears to hear, as Jesus talked about, eyes to see, as he uh, spoke about. So this is really an exercise in getting people to hear what God's saying at all times, not just in the Bible, because I, I examine the Bible quite a bit and uh, open up. Everything uh, has a secondary message, a metaphor message, a parable message, if you will, allegories all, all throughout the Bible, because everything is a parable. Jesus spoke only in parables, the, the Bible says, but also everything in life that you wouldn't think has anything to do with God. When you go uh, when you go to the movies or you turn on your radio and you hear a pop song on there, it's actually the voice of God embedding his message into that song or that movie or that commercial. Mm. Okay, so uh, on your website, and by the way, everybody, we have a link to Joe's website uh, right in the bio section. I mean, you're, you're suggesting that... Uh, uh, like the music that we see here and even the movies such as like Die Hard. Okay. So I guess in that there's, is that a message that if you subscribe to it or you internalize it, you die, you die or say you watch a movies live and let live and you live type of thing. How's, how's, how's that work? Well, you, you brought up Die Hard, very popular movie with Bruce Willis and, I'm just going to summarize the plot here for you in case nobody saw uh, the movie. But it is a story about a tough but kind-hearted lawman who comes from another place off off of a plane coming from New York to Los Angeles. And he gets involved in a hostage situation. And there's a lot of blood spilled in this uh, hostage situation. And in the end, the evildoers get uh, put to death while he reunites with his estranged wife. Everyone can agree that's the plot of the movie. A lot of action there, a lot of jokes, very fun movie. So how is this the message of God in there? Well, who is, in reality, the tough but kind-hearted lawman who comes to us from another dimension, heaven, and he is 
freeing prisoners from a hostage situation because mm. we're all hostages here in captivity of the devil and we're in a death state and he rescues us from our death state to free the prisoners just as Jesus freed the prisoners from our death state and he unites with his estranged wife which is humanity. God is marrying humanity. Wow. We're called the bride in the Bible. Read the book of Revelation in case you've never seen that. It says the lamb is marrying the bride. The bride are human beings that he's created and he's becoming one with them. So the story of Die Hard has a lot of, I mean, it's basically the whole story of the Bible. And, uh, you know, one famous quote that uh, Bruce Willis says in the movie is uh, something to the effect of, come on, you want to stay alive? You stick with me. He says that to one of the terrorists in the movie. But he says, come on, you want to stay alive? You, you stay with me. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the message of God. If you want to stay alive, as in live forever, mm. you stay with Jesus. Wow, that that is so interesting. Would I could I could I could I see in that uh, his estranged wife? Could could that possibly be the church that has left their first love? That is exactly what it is, because you know we human oh, beings are, are 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 the people, the called out ones, are the church, and we have strayed from God. And, and throughout the book of Revelation, he's talking to his own churches uh, throughout uh, cities uh, in Asia and elsewhere. And he says, you have lost your first love. Get back to me. Uh, you, you do some things correctly, but you do some things incorrectly. We have to be a faithful, pure bride and uh, purge ourselves of all the nastiness and wickedness that uh, that can creep in, even in, even into the Christian church, and there's a lot of Christian churches out there. Uh, so uh, this is not an endorsement of any particular church over now. This is a, an endorsement of God's message being broadcast on every single frequency, so that we have no excuse to say, "I never heard the message of God." We're mm. always hearing it. Wow, never look at that way. Hey, so uh, and have you, did you see the opening of the show or any part of it? I heard uh, most of it, yes. Okay. Well, we have the Bear Report in there. And in the Bear Report, who gives us our booster shot of good news, he, he mentioned a song by the Carpenters, We've Only Just Begun. Well, after just talking to you briefly now, I, I thought, okay, well, that means we've only begun our, our walk with God in, in through eternity. Is that, you know, exactly. is that where we're heading with this? Exactly. Every song title, every and even the lyrics of the songs, and I go through – dozens and dozens of songs uh, in reaching God's speed. I didn't analyze that one, but just off the top of my head, you're, 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 you're hearing things at God's speed now where, yes, we've only just begun. This is the beginning of our eternity. We're still in the flesh. We're going to be transformed into the children of God, the little literal offspring of God. We're going to be divine members of his family. Jesus is called our elder brother in the Bible. He's called our spouse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So we, we, in our fleshly state right now, this is our temporary body, but we're meant to get out of this body of death, as the Apostle Paul calls it. And yes, we're only just beginning right now. We've only just begun because we have, I don't know, what is the average age, 70, 80, 90 years uh, that we have here? Most people don't live beyond that. But compared to eternity, this is just the beginning. So, yes, you're, you're hearing it properly. Uh, so speaking of that, I believe that you, you suggest that we can increase our life expectancy if we paid attention to these messages. Of course. Well, that's the whole message of the Bible is that we're in a state of death right now. And when I say life expectancy, I mean our eternal life. When you turn your life to God, 
can stop lying and murdering and stealing and cheating, as you mentioned there, when you were rattling off some of the Ten Commandments in the earlier part of the show, that this is the beginning of our uh, coming to life. God is life. He's offering us free life if what? We keep the commandments. Jesus himself said, if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Because we don't have life right now. This is temporary existence in bodies of clay, bodies of earth, however you want to say it. It's the flesh. We're meant to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit, being transformed. Once God comes back, he's going to resurrect everybody. And that's when we begin our eternal life. So that's that's the life expectancy I'm talking about here is eternal life. Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, uh, for those watching the program, we do have a poll question on the website regarding tonight's guest. Uh, and it, the question reads, uh, what speed is your life going? And you can select full speed, God speed, going in reverse, turtle speed, full stop, or hit a wall. Right now, Joe, uh, looks like full speed at 25%. God speed ties it at 25%, which is interesting because I'm wondering if I never heard of God speed until I saw, I think, I don't know where it was, it Newsmax or Fox or somewhere when I when I saw you, uh, your, like an ad come through for you. I thought, God, man, I, I need to get that guy on the show. I thought, what a perfect match. So I didn't know what Godspeed was. I was so glad to see that, and um, I'm so glad you responded to me. Uh, but then going in reverse, turtle speed and full stop and hit wall, there all looks like th it's a whole spectrum of people that have um, travel speed uh, problems. And I think that what you what you seem to be very excited about is, is to tell people that you can move from turtle speed or that full stop that people are at, you can move to Godspeed, which sounds to me – a heck of a lot faster than full speed. Uh, so anyway, so people take that po po uh, poll question there. All right, Joe, we got a question coming in from the live chat. Uh, says um, from Odd says, "Why did Jesus speak in parables only?" Well, he explains it in the Bible, and it's in. Uh, uh, I think he mentions it in Matthew thirteen thirty four, where he says, uh, or the, the Bible mentions that Jesus spoke only in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak saying the same thing twice in one sentence. It's making the point that he's speaking in parables because he's not broadcasting his message to the entire world populace right now. He is not trying to save everybody at this time. There's more than one time frame where he will save everybody. Right now, he's calling the select few, and uh, he was speaking to his apostles, and then he says, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. So therefore, I'm giving you the message. So if you draw yourself close to God, you will understand the parables because everything is a parable. Now, when I say everything is a parable, I don't mean to say that uh, all those things in the Bible didn't happen. Yes, they happen on a physical level. We had Noah's Ark. We had all these uh, things really happen. And all the stories that are in the Gospels, they happen physically. But what I'm saying is, in addition to the physical, historical uh, actuality of all these events, there is a secondary message, a metaphor message, an allegory, a Godspeed message. I call it Godspeed because mm -hmm. I'm getting you up to speed on the way God thinks, the way God broadcasts, the way he communicates with us. Just when you start a new job or you're starting a new uh, class in school, the teacher teaches you the basics to get you up to speed. So that's when I use the word speed there. Or reaching God's speed. I'm just getting you up to speed, getting you up to the level where you can understand the way God communicates. And here's a very simple example, because everyone knows right now a little bit of God's speed. Jesus famously said to Peter, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. Now, there's no one 
that I know of on the planet that thinks that Jesus was telling Peter, hey, dude, I've got some animals behind my house and I need you to feed them once or twice a day. He's, he's not talking about literal physical animals that he possesses that need to be fed. He's, he's talking metaphorically, spiritually, symbolically, however you wish to say it. He's talking at God's speed to provide the good news of salvation to his sheep, which are people. His sheep are the people who follow him. That's why everything is an analogy. When, when a uh, shepherd has sheep, Jesus is the good shepherd, and the sheep are the animals that follow him. And we metaphorically are the animals, the beasts, because we're in a fleshly form, just like the beasts are. We're in the image of God, but we're in the body of a beast, I like to say. Uh, but we're meant to, to get out of the body of the beast. So when he says, feed my sheep, he's not talking physically. He's talking spiritually or symbolically at God's speed. So it's as simple as that. Mm. Well, we mentioned a happy song only just begun, and that's a perfect metaphor as well. But uh, now there's a lot of music out there, Joe. What about uh, songs like um, Highway to Hell from ACDC? Is, that a, is there a message in there? Absolutely. Remember, we have to uh, realize the Bible is not just about goodness and sunshine all the time. It's about evil and wickedness and some of the deepest, darkest wickedness uh, that has ever been uh, taking place here in our uh, fleshly realm is documented in the Bible. The Bible doesn't endorse it and it doesn't say to do it, but we have to know what evil is to reject the evil. So much of the Bible is about evil. I mean, God says right at the beginning uh, that we're uh, in the land of knowledge of good and evil. So he's offering us two pathways, the knowledge of good, which is following God, and good sounds like the word God, by the way. It's just an extra O in there because God is good. Uh, and if we follow the ways of, uh, of God, we get light. And if we follow the way or the highway of evil, of rebellion against God, also known as sin, we get uh, death, which is, which is what uh, hell means. It's a, it's a pit. It's a hole in the ground. Uh, another translation of it is the Gehenna fire. We're going to be uh, uh, burned to burned to death. So we are, we do have a highway to heaven, if you want to think of it that way, like that old show with Michael Landon, because mm -hmm. Jesus calls himself the path and the way. So we do have the way, uh, the stairway to heaven in that famous song by Led Zeppelin. It is literally the stairway, the pathway to eternal life. If, if you want to, you know, heaven is where God resides and we're going to reside with God, whether it's on earth or, or, or if you think you're going to be on a cloud, which I don't think we're going to be, but many people do. But yes, we're going to get eternal life uh, being with God. And that's the highway to heaven. But as you mentioned, there are songs out there like Highway to Hell. And if you rebel against God, you are literally on right now the highway to death. It's, it's as simple as that. Mm. Well, interesting. You mentioned about speaking twice. I think in the Old Testament, in their scripture, it says that uh, God speaketh once, yea, he speaketh twice. So it, I've always thought that whatever I read, that for the casual reader, it says one thing, but for someone who seeks the matter out or looks for that deeper meaning, they're liable to find it, a secondary meaning. Is that, isn't that true? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jesus even got on his own apostles case at times when he tells them a parable and they don't understand the parable. And he says, how can you not understand this parable? If you don't understand this parable, 
how are you going to understand any of the parables or all of the parables? Because everything's a parable. And this is why he is trying to train all throughout the Gospels. You see him trying to train his apostles to hear that secondary message. Here's a simple example. Everyone knows the story pretty much of Jesus raising his good friend Lazarus from the grave. Now, before he actually rose, uh, raised him from, from death, um, his sisters were, were weeping and they were very sad because uh, Lazarus had died. And uh, Jesus had told his apostles, Lazarus is sleeping, but I'm going to wake him up. Mm-hmm. Now, why, why, is, why does Jesus say he's sleeping? His apostles even heard it as natural physical sleep they, because they said, well, you know, he's sleeping. That means he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And Jesus finally had to tell them eventually, look, Lazarus is dead, but he's using the word sleep because that's what the word sleep implies in the Bible. It talks about in the Psalms, I sleep the sleep of death. So, and, you know, what do you look like when you're sleeping in your bed? You look like you're dead. You're just lying there, paralyzed, unconscious. It's it's an analogy for death. So sleep at the spirit level or, or the metaphor level, Godspeed, uh, symbolizes death. And Jesus said he was going to wake him up. Waking up, when you wake up out of bed, you rise up from this paralyzed, uh, uh, death-like state, and you wake up. That implies resurrection, and Jesus literally raised him from his sleeping death to being alive again, at least physically. And so this is why when you go to sleep at night, every night, God is getting your mind ready for the fact that you're going to wake up the next day. You're not, you're not really worried that you're going to wake up because he's letting you know, training you every day that don't worry when you die because death equals sleep. And when you wake up, that's a picture of being raised from the dead. So everybody's going to be raised from the dead, and there's more than one resurrection coming. Jesus talked about a resurrection of life and a resurrection of judgment. So there's two different resurrections, but you don't have to worry about it. You're you're going to be raised from the dead. So your whole life is training you for this matter, even if you've never heard the word of God before. Hmm. All right. Uh, we have this uh, question from Jade, our moderator of the chat. Uh, she says, uh, how does one achieve Godspeed, Joe? Well, it's just a matter of, first of all, getting yourself a Bible or they're free on the Internet these days uh, and reading the word of God and believing the word of God. That, that is a big uh, problem for many people in life because, you know, many people call themselves Christians uh, and they know certain parts of the Bible, like John 3:16 or Psalm 23, but they don't believe all of the Bible. And they'll even say, well, you know, I know this other stuff is in the Bible, but it, it doesn't really mean what it says. The Bible does mean exactly what it says. So once you uh, tackle that hurdle, uh, then you have to, it's it's like a game of connect the dots, if you want to think of it that way. And I give uh, people uh, tips on how to get, to, how to reach Godspeed. But if you ever played connect the dots as a child, it's just a bunch of dots on, on a page with numbers. And once you start drawing in the lines uh, and connecting the dots, you can see, oh, there's a picture of whatever, a clown or a, a sunshine or whatever right, right, it is right, right, right. That, that comes through. So this is what we have to do with the Bible. The dots in, it, in the Bible are scripture verses, and you can connect one thing to another, and it makes the picture clearer. 
For instance, here's a, a very simple thing. In the book of Genesis, it talks about a serpent, serpent who's talking to Eve, as a matter of fact, but it doesn't identify in Genesis who or what that serpent really is. You have to read the entire Bible all the way to the book of Revelation, where it finally identifies who that serpent is. And it says that old serpent, the devil, who deceives the whole world. So right at the start of the Bible, you got to go to the other end, the book end of the Bible to Revelation to find out, oh, serpent equals devil. Uh, and and therefore, that's that's two dots connected right there. So mm -hmm. now we know serpents uh, refer to uh, the devil in the Bible. And you can do this with all kinds of scriptures. Well, let me ask just, you, let me let me ask him, Joe. Is there a symbolism to uh, that when God told the serpent that from now on he's going to be crawling on his belly? Absolutely. This is a fascinating thing, and I've never really heard it in any church. But I bring it up in reaching God's speed because it's quite significant. The um, the serpent. Now think, we all know that snakes crawl on their belly. Okay, so yeah. physically we, we we have that picture. But okay. a snake uh, represents the devil or the followers of the devil, and they crawl on their belly. Mm -hmm. And the other words for that are they move or they are motivated by their appetite. Your belly is where your appetite is, and your you, another word for appetite is lust. So you're motivated by what you lust for. So the devil and all the children of the devil, the Bible uses that phrase. If you're following mm -hmm. the ways of rebellion, you're automatically a child of the devil. You are motivated by your lust, whatever you lust for. Some people are uh, interested in money all the time. Oh, I got to have more money. got to have more cars. Oh, I just, uh, I'm an addict to sports. I got to follow every sports team and know every stat. Um, some people are motivated by drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is, it's what they're lusting for, what they fill their appetite, their, their belly with. So they're motivated, they're crawling on their belly. They are motivated by their, their lust. And we have to, the Bible talks about, you know, putting away the, the lusts of the flesh all the time. We're supposed to be thinking about spiritual things, godly things, and this is what opens up your mind to understanding the Bible. When, when, here's, here's a very key word for you. When you see the word earth in the Bible, don't just think about planet earth or a, a hunk of soil that you pick up from your backyard garden. Earth represents people. Why does earth represent people? Because that's what we're made of. The Bible says we're made of the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground. So you'll see phrases in the Bible such as, listen, earth, pay attention, earth. He's not talking to your lawn in your backyard. He's talking to people <laughs> because God, God is a person and right. he's talking to people. Right, right. It, it's talking about earth, you know, uh, and, and rivers and trees uh, clapping their hands because all these words represent people. No matter what God has created, it usually represents people. Even rocks, he calls us living stones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in the Bible. Yep. So when you see the word stones and rocks, he calls Peter a rock. Peter means rock, just in right. case you didn't know. His original name was Simon, but he calls him Peter because he's letting him know he's a, a stone, a rock, just like Jesus is the rock, the ultimate rock. Mm -hmm. But we are meant to be like him. The whole message of the Bible is stop your rebellion against God, and I'll bring you into the God family. He calls us children of God, so 
we can become just like the ultimate rock. Now, he's still going to be in charge always. Right. He's the king of kings, but right. we're the kings right. that he's, uh, he's uh, raising from the dead. Mm. Okay, we have this question from Kentucky Girl. Uh, says, Joe, will we stay young if we live at God's speed because there is no time with God at the speed of light? Well, uh, in our current physical fleshly bodies, uh, I don't think uh, we will stay young forever because this is called the body of death. We are meant to die in this body, but that's why God is promising you eternal life. All throughout the Bible, it talks about uh, living in the light of life and, and that sort of thing. And that's when, when God raises you from the dead, you won't die anymore. And the book of Revelation says, you know, there's no more sorrow, no more weeping, no more death. Because death is the enemy. So we're going to be alive forever and you can't be killed. You won't suffer what is called the second death in the Bible uh, where we're done for. Mm. Uh, but, you know, again, the Bible is a book about life and death. He says, look, I said before you the ways of life and the ways of death. Therefore, choose life. You can choose eternal life. When it says choose life, it's really talking about choose eternal life rather than eternal death. So mm -hmm. uh, in our physical form, uh, you can take care of your body, by the way, and you should take care of your body, eating the right foods. Uh, the Bible actually gives you lists of uh, uh, things that you can't eat uh, all, all throughout Scripture. I mean, read Leviticus chapter 11 sometime. It goes through all these uh, poison-filled creatures that were not intended to eat, such as pigs and shellfish and uh, uh, all kinds of birds of prey, but we can eat things like beef and chicken, uh, things that are very popular in America. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're eating your hamburger, don't feel guilty about it. Mm. But no, if you're eating news. a pork rib, you know, God does, God actually uses the word abomination for uh, eating the, the wrong things. But mm -hmm. if you eat the right things, you will, I, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV, but uh, <laughs> I think when you're not uh, uh, poisoning your body with, uh, Th things that are detrimental to your health, mm -hmm. you will stay uh, younger and healthier. But people don't realize just when when they, they they do things to themselves that they're out there smoking and drinking. And, uh, you know, the Bible does uh, show that people it's OK to drink, but it has warnings against being drunkards. You know, it says Jesus himself turned water into wine at a wedding and and he was accused of being a, a, a wine bibber well, well, and all well, that hey, stuff. Well, speaking of that, what, what what's the message about that water being turned into wine? This is a fantastic miracle that has so much more uh, uh, symbolism than people realize. Uh, first of all, it's taking place at a wedding. And right. When you hear that word wedding, your mind should automatically go to the most important wedding or marriage in all of history. And uh, it's not... Um, Kim Kardashian to uh, <laughs> right. the guy she right, married right. now, uh, but uh, and it wasn't Princess Di to um, Prince Charles who was just coronated right, king right, today. Right. Uh, but when you hear the word uh, wedding, your mind should go to the most important wedding, which is God marrying humanity. So we we're going to just remember that and put that aside. So it, something happens at the end where uh, uh, God is marrying us. Mm -hmm. Now we have. Uh, water being poured into six large jars. Now, when you hear the word jars, mm -hmm. well, what do jars represent in the Bible? The Bible actually talks about us that we are jars. We are empty vessels that are meant to be filled with something. Mm -hmm. The water represents the spirit 
of God in all throughout the Bible. Spirit of God is uh, virtually equated with water many times. Mm -hmm. God is called the fountain of living water, that sort of thing. So the jars, us, are being filled with water. Why is it six jars? Well, six is the number of man. Why is six the number of man? Because we were created on the sixth day. We were told to do all our work in six days and then rest on the seventh day of the week. So the number six is associated with man. And uh, the, they filled it with 20 to 30 gallons of, of water, each one of these uh, jars. And, you know, it got into my head, why, why is it 20 to 30 gallons of water? And I went to uh, the CDC website to uh, find what the average weight of human beings were. Mm -hmm. And it falls within what, uh, like the average uh, 20 uh, gallons of water is like 160 pounds. Uh, and the average weight of a woman, of all women, is like 170 pounds. Uh, I know some women are smaller than others and some women right, right. are larger than others. And, careful, and the same guys. So the, the 20 to 30 gallons of water uh, measures out to, uh, it falls within the range of the average weight of men and women. So God is broadcasting the message that on all frequencies, human beings, when you fill yourself with the spirit of God, there's going to be a miraculous change in an instant. Now, where does the Bible talk about some sort of miraculous change in an instant? It talks about it in the New Testament where uh, the Apostle Paul says we are all going to be changed, transformed in the blink of an eye uh, to our new spirit bodies. We're getting rid of these bodies of death, the bodies of corruption, and we're going to be changed to become, in, if you want to think of it this way, our God bodies, our divine bodies, mm -hmm. where we're not going to die anymore. It's something that's more delicious, more flavorful than these regular bodies that we have mm -hmm. right now. So the water turning into wine is a preview, if you will, a coming attraction like they have in the movies uh, to let you know what's coming in advance of our instantaneous change uh, on, on the third day. The wedding, by the way, happens on the third day. And this is a very constant theme in the Bible, the third day, because mm -hmm. uh, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. That's three days, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So yesterday is the past, today is the present, and tomorrow is the future. So the very fact that this uh, water into wine thing takes place at a wedding on the third day means it hasn't happened yet. It's still in our still-to-come future tomorrow, in the next day. So when Jesus comes back to earth, we're going to be changed in an instant, just like the water is changed into wine, and we become that more delicious, more flavorful thing than regular water. Mm, I, I like to be even the more flavorful kind myself. Uh, but now, now, you know, you've really kind of opened a lot of doors in my thinking here. I know that one of my favorite scriptures is, or verses, it says that... Um, all without excuse, all are without excuse because nature itself declares that it's a God. Now I'm reevaluating that. I always thought when it said nature itself declares that there is a God, I'm just wondering maybe, yeah, it's probably the creation, but there's also the nature of man, the nature of music, the nature of movies, the nature of everything declares that there is a God. Because that's really what you're saying that in these songs and in these movies and these books and various things that, and the parables for that matter, God is. He, he is declaring himself to be God. Exactly. I mean, in, in Romans 1.20, it talks about you can learn about the nature of God, the divine nature, by studying everything that he's created. 
And you'll learn about God that way. Well, what has God created? He's created everything, right? Every molecule on this planet and everything that happens is because God has organized it uh, to happen that way. Even the something, you know, something from nature uh, that you mentioned, um, we've got the earth revolving around the sun, okay. right? Everybody knows the earth revolves around the sun. It, it Very simple thing. And again, what does the earth represent? The earth represents people. Why? Because that's what we're made of. The Bible says we're made of the earth. So the earth revolving around the sun. What does the sun represent in the Bible? You have to go to the Bible to find out. And it says that the Lord God is a sun, S-U-N, and shield. So, yeah, God is represented by the sun. He is not the sun in the sky, but he's represented by it on the symbolic metaphor level of God's speed. So when you say the earth revolves around the sun, it's simply saying we, the people, are revolving around God. He's the thing that is keeping us uh, attached to him no matter where we go. We can move and have uh, you know, conversations and discussions and jobs, but we're always uh, looking at, at God, the sun. He is... Uh, and it's funny because the word sun, S-U-N, sounds just like S-O-N, sun, as in Jesus is the son of God. So uh, you, you get a little uh, wordplay there. Right, God me, does have humor. All right. Let me welcome in the live chat, Odd, Edgy, and Mickey V back with us again. And by the way, if you uh, want a shout out of your name, just jump in the live chat. You can also put your questions in there for Joe. All right. We have this question here from Anonymous 1238. It says, Joe, in the parable of the narrow door, Jesus taught that at some point the owner of the house will close the door and even though people knock and plead, he will say, I don't know you and where are you from? Away from me, evildoers. Um, so I, then, the, then the follow-up question then for that is, we'll all be saved in the end anyway. Well, here's where the two resurrections come in. Remember, Jesus said there is a resurrection of life mm -hmm. and a resurrection of judgment. And between those two resurrections, there is a thousand year time period, as we learn in the, the 20th chapter of Revelation, where it says the rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years were completed. So Jesus is going to close the door at the first resurrection for only the believers who have believed uh, throughout time, whether it was the apostles back in the day or Abra he said, you'll see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom. So we know that they've made it and all the prophets will be in the kingdom, as he says, as he mentions them uh, as well. And any believer who is alive now will be in the first resurrection. Even your loved ones who have, who have died and are in the ground will be in the first resurrection. And there's a thousand year time period. And then there's something called the second resurrection, mm -hmm. which most churches never even talk about. I don't even think many even know of the concept. But Jesus did mention those two resurrections and the thousand year gap. So during that second resurrection, that's when everybody who ever lived uh, who were confused about God or they were following other religions or they just didn't know the truth. That's when they're going to be brought back to a physical form the form that we all have right now, uh, the fleshly body, mm -hmm. and the people who made it in the first round are going to teach them and coach them and judge them. When you see the word judge in the Bible, it doesn't always mean condemnation. It means to coach, just like the judges on American Idol uh, and on The Voice uh, TV show, they're judging these people week to week to coach them to come and, uh, and become members of God's family. Mm -hmm. So we're the shepherds of the future. You even see in the story of Jesus' birth, 
shepherds returning to uh, voice the good news after they witnessed, uh, you know, Jesus in the, lying in the manger. And there's all kinds of extra meaning about that that we can get into if you want. But the, the fact that the shepherds are returning is a prophecy for us in the future. The believers in the future are going to shepherd all those millions and billions of people who didn't make it in the first round. God is not interested. God, God did not create all those billions of people just to kill them. He doesn't want to kill them. He says, I get no pleasure from the death of the wicked. Right. So he does want to save them, but he's doing it in two stages. So after that thousand years, he's going to raise up everybody else, and we're going to teach him how to become members of God's family. Hmm. I'll tell you what, I want, to, I want to be with the group that comes back to teach them. Uh, I don't want to be the ones that are have to be taught. All right, hey, we've got a question uh, for, uh, for you from Grumpy Old Armfit. It says, Joe, it says in the Bible, if time were not shortened there would be no flesh left on earth i think it says there would be no flesh saved but uh how does that relate to god's speed that is a, a fascinating question because jesus does famously say unless those days were cut short no flesh would be saved in other words on a, let's talk, talk on a physical level first because people can understand okay. uh that uh the book of revelation talks about horrific things happening and uh lots of people dying talks about famine and plagues and all this kind of thing. So right. uh, Jesus has to come back or that no uh, people in our human form uh, left on the earth would be, would survive because I don't know what disaster could be uh, coming. It could be a nuclear thing. It could be a biological weapon uh, like there's released from some sort of lab or whatever. But oh. we've seen how quickly uh, death can come uh, to the people of earth uh, very recently with the, what's been happening in the news recently, even these days we have Vladimir Putin threatening to unleash a nuclear World War III. Uh, so it could be something like that. Now, on a spiritual level of God's speed, there is another meaning to it, that uh, unless the time is cut short, no flesh, as in the people here, could be spiritually saved. The word that you mentioned is saved, and it's the saving in a spiritual sense. It's the same word that's used all throughout the New Testament when it says Jesus came to save the sinners. He's coming to save them spiritually from, from eternal death. So unless, things are going to be so bad. And let's, let's talk about deception, for instance, for all this weird stuff that's going on in the news these days. People don't even know what a family is anymore because people are identifying as cats or dogs or whatever that... Yeah. You're so confused about what's going on that you can't be saved because you have no knowledge of what salvation is. You have to know the basics of, you know, uh, what a man is, what a woman is, what a family is. So that's why God uses all these simple things in life uh, that we all grew up with knowing what everything is. But it's going to get so uh life is going to be so filled with deception and lies and whether it's the media or governments or artificial intelligence uh, telling you uh, what to follow. I mean, the word artificial in intelligence should give you a big clue right there. It's fake. It's not real. And it's artificial. It's a lie. Another word for it is lying intelligence. And who's the, uh, the uh, uh, inventor of lies, the author of lies? That's the devil himself. Mm -hmm. And the Bible calls him you know, the inventor of lies, uh, as well as a murderer from the beginning, because he wants you dead. God is about life. The devil is about rebellion mm. and death. So hopefully uh, he, he can understand the answer to the question. The time has to be cut short because nobody could be spiritually saved. 
Okay. Uh, you say that God embeds hidden messages about the future in the in in the in the book in in the Bible. Uh, can you give me an example of that? Well, we talked about one with already with the water into wine, where it's projecting the future of our instant transformation through through that miracle. But there are other uh, items in the Bible, in in the story of Jonah, for instance, where uh, you know he's famously. Uh, thrown into the body of the beast mm -hmm. uh, for three days and three, three nights. Days. And uh, yeah, he, he's running away from God. And uh, he, he ends up in, in the body of a beast for three days and three nights because, again, he represents all of mankind. And we are all in the body of a beast for yesterday, today, and tomorrow, as long as we're in rebellion against him. And uh, the future is that at the end of Jonah's story, he comes out of the beast. By the way, a little side note in there. He, he uh, gives you his thoughts that when he was in the body of the beast, he says, weeds were wrapped around my head. Why are weeds wrapped around his head? It's because the New Testament identifies who or what the weeds are. And Jesus says, the weeds are the children of the evil one. Mm -hmm. So when your mind is, uh, you have all these people in the world who are non-believers and they're wrapping around your head. And you're driven crazy by all these folks out there who are denying God or they're confused by God. They're wrapping around your head. So uh, uh, it's just a, a quick aside there. But the end of Jonah's story is that he is brought out of the body of the beast and he preaches to this uh, city, Nineveh, mm -hmm. where they this is like the only example of a huge mass repentance in the Bible where everybody is suddenly believing him. Because he's a guy that has left the body of the beast. If you want to think of it this way, he's been raised out of our body of the beast. Mm -hmm. And that's when people will believe. Mm. That's when that's that second resurrection I'm talking about. It's the seeing is believing concept. People generally don't believe things unless they see it mm -hmm. personally. Here's another example with the um, story of doubting Thomas. Mm hmm. A uh, very, very famous uh, thing. He's, you know, I can't name all the 12 apostles <laughs> right off the top of my head. But Doubting Thomas is one because we can all identify uh, uh, de with Doubting Thomas because we all have had doubts uh, about God in our life at times. So Doubting Thomas was not there with the assembly of other apostles when Jesus first appeared to them. Eleven were there. Doubt, or 10 were there, actually, because Judas was dead. But anyway, the, the apostles were gathered together, uh, and the doubting person, doubting Thomas, his name means twin, by the way, number two, he was not there for the first assembly. Mm -hmm. However, during the next time period, during the next week, and the Bible says a week later, eight days later, Thomas, the doubter, is with the assembly, mm -hmm. and... He doesn't doubt anymore once he sees God. So he doubted during the first time uh, um, Jesus appeared to the disciples and Th Thomas wasn't there. Thomas said, no, I, I don't believe what you're saying. You know, unless I see the, uh, the imprints of the nails in his hands and uh, the spear in his side mark, you know, I won't believe. So a week later, Jesus appears and the doubting person is there. And all of a sudden seeing is believing. And he says, my Lord, my God. So hear this at God's speed at the parable level. The doubting people of the world, all those millions and billions of people, mm -hmm. are not there when Jesus comes back and raises people from the dead for the first 
assembly, the first resurrection. You'll find that phrase, first resurrection, in the Bible. And in Revelation, it says, blessed is he who takes part in the first resurrection. So all those people who believed without seeing have that blessing. But it's in the next resurrection, the second resurrection, that the doubters are there and they see God personally once they're raised from the dead and they're back in their fleshly bodies. And they see all those believers who believed in him and they're going to say, wow, this stuff was for real after all. It wasn't a bunch of uh, hocus pocus or, or, or nonsense that, uh, you know, people like to denigrate uh, Christians all the time saying, oh, they believe in their big daddy in the sky kind of thing. Well, <laughs> it, it is real. We do have a, a big daddy in the sky. And so it's the second resurrection is being has been secretly embedded. I don't even want to say secretly, but it's just, you know, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it becomes obvious for you when you just connect the dots in the Bible. God is singing the same song all the time using different words, different people, different situations, but he is about life and he's come that we have life and have it more abundantly mm -hmm. as in eternal life. Um, Jesus s said a couple times that some people will be cast out into outer darkness. What's the message there? This is another key word in the Bible. When you hear the word darkness, uh, remember what we're made of. We're made of the earth which is usually dark soil. And he talks about outer darkness. And he talks about also uh, in Egypt, one of the plagues uh, for three days, by the way, there's that three day theme, is um, there was darkness uh, for three days. Why, why does uh, God keep talking about darkness? Because in our current form, we are the darkness. You can touch any part of your body right now, touch your face, touch your hands, touch your arms. This is the outer darkness. We all have a spirit within us, but we're wrapped, we're covered with outer darkness. So when he talks about people being cast away, uh, these are unbelievers, by the way, that get cast into outer darkness. Mm -hmm. They are being put back into their mold in the second resurrection in this outer darkness. This, you know, no matter what complexion you have, no matter how light or dark you are, you could be the, the whitest white dude on the planet, but it's dark compared to the light that God is. God is God is called light, and there's no darkness in him at all. He is not flesh anymore. He is uh, a spirit being. When John sees him in Revelation, he's blazing with his eyes blazing like fire and his hair white as wool and his feet are glowing like brass because he's this glowing spirit made of light being. So when, when he says he's casting people into outer darkness, doesn't mean he's throwing them into outer space somewhere <laughs> where there's like into a black hole. He is... Uh, putting them back in the flesh. This is the outer darkness. He says uh, elsewhere that people who don't believe, they have their reward. This is the reward. You come back in the flesh, in the second resurrection, in this outer darkness, in, the, in, this, in this flesh form, uh, if, if you don't uh, get with the program right now. Wow. All right, we have this question. Um, uh have you seen the scripture in the Old Testament where God says you will find him in the darkness? Uh, I, I don't recall it right offhand, but uh, I, I believe it's there. Okay. And let's just let's just translate it instantly at God's speed because you can do that. We are currently in the darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, and God says, you know, you know, seek and you shall find. So you can find God in the darkness 
right now, because we're in the darkness, you're in the darkness, I'm in the darkness, we're all in our fleshly form. But if you seek him, you will find him uh, in, in this dark form. And mm-hmm. all those people, all those heroes from the Bible, Moses and King David and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the, the apostles, they found God in, in the darkness form. And again, they're going to be transformed. Every believer who, who truly follows God is going to be transformed in an instant out of the darkness uh, in, into the light. And it, it talks about that all the time. It says, uh, you know, the peoples are covered with darkness. Look, the peoples are covered with darkness mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Bible, in, in Isaiah. Uh, but they're meant to be in the light. And uh, eventually it says that uh, the glory of God will shine over you. I think I mentioned this to you before the show started. When you say something as simple as rise and shine mm-hmm. to, to somebody, everybody says that at some point, like, right. rise and shine. You are actually voicing right there in those three words, the entire plan of God, because we are going to rise from the grave. Right. This is We're in a grave body right now, whether you're walking on earth or you're six feet under, uh, and we're going to shine in our father's kingdom. We're called children of the light and children of day because we're not going to be in our darkness form. Everybody, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you're looking at darkness. But we're going to be transformed out of the flesh and become spirit beings who are made of spirit light. Mm, Very good. Seven Mile Bridge says, Joe, Jesus said that the end will come as in the days of Noah. What do you think that means? Well, uh, Noah lived in a very wicked time. Uh, I'm sure everyone uh, has read the story, but it's not. I think it's in the fifth, sixth chapter of Genesis. And uh, there was all kinds of wickedness uh, uh, in his time. And Noah was only the only person who was found righteous in his generation. So he was following God. But uh, by the way, if you want to find out what wickedness is in the Bible, just, you know, you can look up the word wicked or evil in the Bible. And uh, it usually uh, elucidates uh, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, you could just go through the Ten Commandments. It's stealing, it's lying, it's cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're not following, if you're not uh, honoring God's Sabbath, which is a sign or test commandment, and, and you're working on the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, by the way, not Sunday, uh, look it up on your calendar right now. Your calendar, all American calendars have this, the seventh day of the week as, as Saturday. Anyway, uh, and people would get into, in ancient times, really wicked things. They would be burning their children to yeah. uh, false gods and, and all that. So uh, wickedness was very evil uh, in Noah's time. And so uh, read, read the quote again, the question about what uh, the person was looking Well, it said, so he said, except the, the days of Noah, it would be in the days of Noah. When the sun oh, right, right, right. Down. So... The end time will be like the days of Noah, where wickedness is going to be so rampant. And you see it right now. I mean, you were talking before, well, what's happening with Bud Light and all that kind of things. There is such wickedness now where it's like, who would have ever thought 20 or 30 years ago that we, we would be at this point uh, where, again, as I mentioned, people are identifying themselves as cats. I mean, that is a a psychological disorder, mm-hmm. and yet people are saying, Oh no, that that's what I am, and mm-hmm. and they go out and they urinate in public on on rocks yeah. or whatever, or in schools they're, they're urinating on furniture. It's happened, um, and mm-hmm. this this is it's just the wickedness is so rampant. It's as in the days of Noah, where people will be marrying whomever they want, 
And when it says marrying whomever they want, it's just not like John marrying Jane when he should be marrying Susan. It should be, uh, it's talking about people marrying people that they shouldn't be marrying. Hint, Mm. hint, hint. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's taking place right now. So that was going on in the days of Noah. It's Mm -hmm. such wickedness where... Uh, and it's called abomination in the Bible, as I'm yeah, sure I mean, you know. You just triggered a memory. Thanks a lot, Joe. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, the administration hired this the guy in the nuclear department, and he was known as a, a furry. Now, this is the guy that got caught stealing luggage at the airport. Okay, That's what got him kicked out. It wasn't the fact that he was a furry. What that is, it's a man who wears a dress, who's bald, and walks other men with leashes pretending to be dogs i mean i don't i don't even think sodom and gomorrah had a freak show like that going on all right uh here's a question from odd says was cyrus the liberator of the jews in babylon given the dark treasures of babylon or the word of god well cyrus uh was a pagan by the way whom god worked with to allow them to leave their uh, captivity it was prophesied through Jeremiah that they would be in captivity through for 70 years. And then Cyrus gave the decree, whoever wants to go up to Jerusalem, go up, build your temple, etc., etc. Now, I don't know about the dark treasures uh, that they're talking about. I, I don't know if that's mentioned in the Bible or if that's uh, something extra biblical uh, from another source. But but he is, it just goes to show, again, how God works through everything. Cyrus was not a worshiper of the true God. He was out there a pagan sun worshiper for all we know. But God used him and put him in position through geopolitics to have him in the right place at the right time. Some guy that, guy that didn't even acknowledge the true God, but he was. God has the ability to make him say these things. He can take control of your speech, my speech, anybody's speech at any given time. He even took control of a donkey and had a donkey in the Bible, uh, which is known as the dumbass of the Bible, by the way. The right, phrase right, the Bible right, uses right. the phrase dumbass, speaking with a man's voice. So you've got um, a, an animal even speaking with, with a man's voice. So God has control over the vocal abilities of everything. This is his matrix that he created. It's his candy store. He can do whatever he wants with it. And you see these fascinating things happen. So Cyrus, yes, was, was not a follower of the true God, but God used him to get the um, uh, people of God back out of captivity and, and back to uh, their their place uh, in Jill, Jerusalem. There's, there's always been a mystery I, to me, and, I, and to a lot of people really, and I don't know if you address this in your book, Reaching God's Speed, but uh, there was a woman at the well that was caught in adultery, and they all came and they tried to get Jesus to kick her out or kill her or whatever, but instead he, like he, he bent over and he started writing in the sand, and I've never heard anybody say what he was writing. Do you have any idea? Well, this is a matter of connecting the dots in the Bible because we can get a pretty good idea of what Jesus was writing. Yes, sir. Um, there was a woman, not not the one at the well. That's a different story. But there was a woman caught in adultery. You're correct. And she was brought before uh, the, the folks in charge. Yeah. And they, they wanted to trap Jesus and because uh, the law called for her to be killed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus... Uh, famously bends down and takes his finger and writes in the dust. And the Bible says he used his finger to write in the dust something. And as he wrote, the accusers uh, fell away or, or, or they walked away or they, they vanished. So 
at the end of the story, there was nobody left to accuse her. Now, the fascinating thing, the question you brought up is a great one, because what could he possibly have been writing uh, there with his finger in the dust? Now, in that particular account, it doesn't specify right there. But if we connect the dots in the Bible and open our ears and eyes at Godspeed, it becomes quite obvious. So let's do that. Let's ask ourselves, where else in the Bible is God shown writing something famously with his own finger? Uh, the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments. Very good. I was going to give you a hint to say there's 10 of them, but you didn't even need that. But yes, God wrote the Ten Commandments, his outline of his law, if you want to think of it that way, his basic instructions to us. He wrote uh, with his own finger. Now, what does the dust represent? We've already talked about it. The dust represents people. Why right. does it represent people? Because we're made of the dust of the ground. It says so in Genesis. God formed us out of the dust of the ground. Okay. So uh, we have to connect some dots here with other scriptures. In the book of Jeremiah, Jesus says that in the future, he will write his laws in our hearts and in our minds Table. so that we will want to obey mm -hmm. uh, the, the word of God. So this is actually a fascinating prophecy by Jesus uh, etching something with his finger in the dust. He is declaring the end from the beginning. And I want to write, uh, have people write this scripture down. It's Isaiah 46.10, where God says, I declare the end from the beginning. In other words, he's telling you the future right from the start of the story. So no matter what he's doing, remember, everything's a parable. Even his actions are parables because Jesus only spoke in parables and without a parable he didn't speak. So when he's writing in the dust, he's writing in people because we're the dust. Okay. He's writing what he, the same thing he wrote with his finger before, the Ten Commandments and all the laws of God, really, but the Ten Commandments sums up uh, the laws of God is, is the basic outline, but he in the future will be writing his own law with his own finger in people's minds and hearts so they will want to obey him. Most people, there's billions of people on the planet right now. Most people are not obeying God. Most people don't want to obey the, uh, God because they love the darkness. Jesus said they love the darkness. Remember, darkness is the flesh. So People love the flesh. They love the appetites and lusts of the flesh. They're all crawling on their bellies, like we mentioned before, like just like the uh, serpent, the devil is uh, running on his appetite, on his lusts. So he's got to write in the dust the laws of God so that we will finally obey and we're going to shepherd those people to life. And the very end of the story, uh, according to uh, biblical prophecy, is that People won't have to teach anybody to say, know the Lord, because everybody is going to know the Lord. So once everybody, we're going to be judging angels, we're going to be coaching the citizens of this world, the New Testament says. So we're even going to be instructing fallen angels who have rebelled against God. So in the future, these, all these fallen angels and all these human people, the dust of the earth, are going to have God's law finally in them. And then we're going to finally get with the program. So it's it's really fascinating information. If if you're a follower of God and you just connect the dots in the Bible and, you know, God, it talks about God piercing your ears. Why is it God piercing your ears? Because he's getting through the flesh. Mm. And uh, just another quick example, now that I mentioned ears, yeah. you know, if you don't wash your ears, what happens? You get all this extra flesh in there, right? This right. waxy flesh. Right. And, and 
but you clean yours all the time. So you don't get that. But all of us, if we don't clean out our ears, right. we get more flesh. Mm. And that itself is broadcasting the message of God. Mm -hmm. You get, if you don't clean out your spiritual ears, you are resurrected back in the flesh. You get more flesh and you, you have more lusts of the appetite and, and your fleshly desires. So every single thing that we experience in life is somehow broadcasting God's message. You know, when you say um, that uh, that God is broadcasting his messages in so many different ways, and, and then you were talking about the finger of God, and then I thought about what it was in Daniel where a hand appeared and a finger wrote on the wall. Uh, another thing of that is uh, the people that want to deny God and hate God for that matter, many times they're using, uh, they're saying uh, slogans that came directly from the Bible, like the handwriting is on the wall or the skin of my teeth. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of them that even though people say they hate God, they're literally, it's in our culture that these, a lot of terms that we have came out of the Bible. And I think that's kind of funny. Believe, believe as this question says, is Jesus God in your opinion? Absolutely. If you read the first chapter of John, you don't have to go deep into it. Uh, it, it says, you know, in the beginning, the word was uh, uh, the word was God. The word was with God because he's with God, the father and the word was God. And the word came to dwell among us for a short time. So, yes, he is. He's actually the, the creator God, the one who uh, voiced the creation, said, let there be light. And uh, even when you say let there be light, by the way, mm -hmm. uh it's a prophecy for the future. It's not just way back in the beginning where God created the heavens and the earth. He's saying, uh, let there be light. In other words, I'm training you to get out of the darkness. Let the light shine out of the darkness. So remember, God declares the end from the beginning. So when you read Genesis, don't just think of it as the beginning of everything. Think of it as the end of the story, because at the end of the story, he's going to reform the heavens and the earth. There's a new heavens and a new earth, which means more angels and more people or the, the people will be resurrected. Uh, so the, the earth is people being resurrected and the new heavens are the new uh, residents of heaven. Us, we're going to be, we're the heavens. When you hear the word heavens in the Bible, it's not just where God lives. Heavens in the Bible refers to the people who dwell in heaven. Read Revelation 12, 12 sometime. It says, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. So the you who dwell in the heavens are the people in heaven. Right now there's God and angels there. Eventually will be considered the heavens too. But he's creating new heavens and new earth. So when he says, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, he's transforming our dark selves, our dark fleshly bodies, into the light because God is light. There's no darkness in him. And he's going to see that the light was good because God is, is the only one who's good. Mm -hmm. And we're now finally members of God's family. So mm -hmm. read Genesis again. When you have, to, if you get, you know, reaching God's speed, I, here's the book again, sorry for the plug, but you can go to reachinggodspeed.com and find out all this information for free. It gets into extreme detail in the book itself. Reachinggodspeed.com is the website. There's free interviews there from other shows if you want to, to watch those, even if you don't get the book. Well, this I is, just want to, well, yeah. this is, well, this is the best interview you've done. So, you know, hey. absolutely. I mean, first of all, yours is the longest uh, in, in one shot that I'm doing. So I, I thank you for that. But yeah, when, when you have a longer interview, you can get into more detail. So when you read Genesis or any book of the Bible, but especially Genesis, it's really the end of the story because he's declaring the end 
our future, if you want to think of it that way, from the beginning. So all this business about God separating the light from the darkness, it's talking about separating the people of God who are now transformed into light from the people of darkness who are back in the flesh. Remember, there's two resurrections, the resurrection of life, where you become a divine child of God, and the resurrection of judgment, or some Bibles translate that as the resurrection of condemnation, but that's a thousand years later. And again, we're going to be teaching those people, so they eventually will be saved when God finally writes on their hearts uh, his, his law. That He's given them up to their own desires right now. And the Bible says that uh, in many places that, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't want to have anything to do with God, you don't have to right now, but you're going to come back in, in this fleshly form and have to do it all over again and, and learn how to overcome mm. the lusts of, of the appetite where you're not crawling on your well, belly Joe, anymore. Joe, I'm going to have to congratulate you. I've been doing this show since 2003, thousands of interviews. And so I, I'm, I'm one of the longest runners on, on the internet that there is. I don't know any show that was before. Well, I mean, there was uh, maybe coast to coast or something like that, but the, all these years, and I always have a poll question, as we talked about, related to the guest topic. And our topic tonight is, uh, w what speed is your life going? Well, when we first checked the poll, it was tied uh, about 50-50 on Godspeed versus and full speed, and then uh, various other numbers for going in reverse, turtle speed, full stop. Well, since you've been talking, you have altered that that pulse so much that Godspeed is now at 55% and full speed is at 15. And in all these years, I've never had a guest on a show on their own topic to change the minds or to influence and I would say, or present information that people could use to, to judge whether or not you've impressed them or you've made a difference in their life. And from this here, this is the biggest difference I've ever seen during a live show. Well, I, I thank God for that, for putting my uh, putting his words into my mouth. I'm trying to make it simple for people. You know, God is not difficult. He's simple. He's created light and dark, good and evil, uh, life and death, blessing and cursing. It's, there's opposite. I have lists, by the way, of how you can understand God's speed, and there's positive things uh, and, and negative things. And this is uh, something that everybody can do. There's hot and cold. Uh, you know, if hot and if you have things too hot, it can scorch you and harm you. If you have things too cold, it can it can harm you. So, but we, we need to be in the middle ground, and that's where God is. He's simple. He's in the middle ground. It's common sense. You don't have to be a theologian. You can. That's what I'm saying. You can just look at the things around you, whether it's the things in nature, uh, like sleeping and waking up the next day. That's death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. People already know this stuff because they lived it their whole life. So what I'm saying, I think, is resonating with them because they already know, yeah, it's asleep. It's like, it's like being dead. And when you wake up, that's resurrection. Jesus said, I go to wake up Lazarus from sleep. He's talking about resurrection and he's, uh, uh, Jesus himself was dead and he was resurrected because he's showing us the way. Jesus knew that God the Father would raise him from the dead. So we have to know that uh, the same thing is going to happen to us. That's where faith comes wow. in and belief. And I know a lot of people don't believe the Bible. Most people on this planet mm. probably do mm. not believe the Bible. They're into um, uh, other religions or they're atheists or whatever, or uh, they only believe parts of the Bible. But, you know, if you get on board with God 
and just believe what he says. He says, you know, believe the good news. It's really good news mm -hmm. when you don't die anymore, mm -hmm. when you have no pain and no suffering and no mm -hmm. sorrow, and, and you can't die. That's that's the best news you could possibly hear. That's the ultimate good news. All right, we have this question. It says, Joe, do you define names and places in the Old Testament to find God's message for us? Are there messages in the names and places of the Old Testament? Well, absolutely. I mean, you see it right from the beginning um, with uh, Eve, you know, says she's the mother of the living. And it starts, the Bible starts training you by defining why somebody was called uh, such and such. For instance, the name Israel is a popular name, and it means one who struggles or wrestles with God and prevails. But you can use the meanings of names to find out um, what 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 the story is going to uh, say. And I have some notes here that I want to find. And of course, when I, I, I want to find it, uh, <laughs> I, I can't. But there's there whole, I want to start with, there's a whole list of, um, here it is. I knew I'd find it at some point. Um, the names sometimes, as you know, in the Old Testament are very hard to pronounce. Or uh, it, it, It's names that we... The names of people, names of tribes, names of, of groups of people that we don't generally talk about. But I'm just going to read a, a quick quote for you here from Deuteronomy 7. And it says, um, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. So. God wants his people to have nothing to do with these people. Mm -hmm. But you see these names all throughout uh, the Old Testament. And it's like, why, why do we have all these names like Ergoshites and Amorites? Here's the thing. You know these people right now because these names mean something. What do they mean? I'll translate all those names for you. Wow. Hittites means terrible ones or fearful people. Gergeshites means dwellers in clayish soil. Remember what the clayish soil is. Mm -hmm. Amorites means talkers, the people who gab and complain. They talk too much. Uh, Canaanites means merchants or global traders. Hivites are uh, villagers in tents or the tent people. Jebusites means people who tread down. So all of us watching this show right now deal with these people right now on a daily basis. We all know people who are terrible people or are very fearful or people who tread down on you all the time. People who are interested uh, in staying in their tent or tent people because this is a tent, this earthen vessel that we're in there. They're not interested in getting out of the tent. They want to stay in the tent or their clayish soil as Gergeshites means. So God keeps repeating these. And to, you know, a Hebrew reader, they would understand this because of like, oh, you know, that means people who tread down on you. But, you know, English people, they hear it and they're like, you know, Jebusite, that doesn't mean anything to me, a Jebusite. But when you know the meanings of the words, it helps tell the story. For instance, David and Goliath, very famous story. Everybody knows about, you know, a little uh, teenager David there uh, going up against this giant Goliath. Well, David actually means something. Bible readers might know that his name means beloved, but uh, they might not know what Goliath means. He's, his name means exile, and he was a champion of the Philistines. Well, what does Philistines mean? Philistines means dust rollers, people rolling in the dust. 
Remember what the dust is. The dust is the flesh. They're the people who are, I know uh, my wife doesn't like it actually. <laughs> slap my face all the time. Like she goes, stop slapping your face. But, uh, but it's, it's a very effective tool, I think. When, yeah, when you yeah, realize. Like it. when you, it's memorable. When you see, it's, yeah, it's memorable. Exactly. When people uh, realize that the dust is the flesh. Philistines are people who are interested in the flesh. They're rolling around in the flesh. And Goliath, the champion, is in exile because he's in rebellion against God. So the, the parable of David and Goliath is you have the beloved people of God. That's what David means, beloved. Okay. So the beloved people of God are fighting the evil giant in exile. Well, who in the Bible is the biggest evil giant in the entire history of all time? Satan the devil, of course. He's, he's the evil one. He's the giant. And we're all going up against the giant. Mm -hmm. So we have we have the weapons to fight the giant, which in faith in God and in, in the story, you see him taking five smooth stones, uh, polished stones. And we ourselves are the polished stones of God. The, the Bible defines us as living stones. If you're a believer, you are a living stone. And he uses the stones to go where? Right to the mind, the forehead. Mm -hmm. That's where the stone sank. It was into the mind of the evil one, mm -hmm. and the evil one uh, uh, is, is fallen, is, is dead. And uh, we can conquer evil and all those giants. We're all facing the giants uh, in the world. There was a famous movie um, by the Kendrick brothers. I think it's called Facing the Giants. But we're all facing the giants in our life, and we can overcome if we just have faith in God. Mm. Um there's a scripture that says in the Old Testament, it says, uh, I think it said, Daniel, seal up the things in the book till the time of the end. Now, the other day I was reading, and I don't know, it was Isaiah or Proverbs. I'm kind of in that area right now. Uh, and I'll paraphrase, but it basically said, says something on the order that uh, because you have left serving me, that's God saying, because you've left serving me, that an evil king, and then I think it may even say something about an evil king and his son, will rule the land and the people who are not from that land will, will overwhelm the land and take all the resources. And I, I read that and I go, is that Joe Biden in the immigration situation? And because that's what it looked like to me. I was like, and I was thinking, well, if I read that five years ago, I would think it's a, um, something that only had to do with the Jewish people or the Israelites back in the day and had, you know, that, that time's over or maybe, you know, some similarity today, but then, but today it's much more specific to what the current, current thing is. is. Is that something that could be considered that Daniel sealed up in a book, that type of thing where the understanding goes with the headlines, whereas maybe a few years ago it didn't go with the headlines. Well, again, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whether you're looking at it in the past or the, the present or the future, he is broadcasting the same message. And it's interesting that you bring up, you know, is this something from the news today? Because God does use the news, the actual events of, of life and history to broadcast his message. And sometimes it's on a very simple level. Like um, if you, this was an actual news headline. I was watching my local news one day and... Up, up comes a story during the midday uh, newscast. Wandering toddler has been reunited with his family. Okay. It can happen in anybody's neighborhood. A toddler is wandering away, but he's been reunited with his family. Well, this itself is telling you the, pretty much the whole story of God. Who is the wandering toddler 
in the story, in the parable that the Bible is. We are all the one. We're the children of God and we're all wandering away mm -hmm. from God. Mm -hmm. But eventually we are reunited with the family of God. We're reunited with God the Father, with Jesus. So we are eventually reunited. And that's the good news that we are reunited with with our family. Uh, we had a serious thing on 9-11 uh, with a tower coming down. Everybody knows it around the world. Planes flying into a tower and uh, a tower comes down and kills lots of people. Did you know that there's a story in the Bible itself, an actual event where it talks about a tower collapse and 18 people being killed when the Tower of Siloam, Jesus himself talks about, uh, what about those 18 people in the Tower of Siloam? Because uh, his apostles asked him, you know, were these people uh, greater sinners than anybody else? And Jesus's message is, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. But uh, he uses the tower collapse to get people's attention because we are all dead unless we repent. If you don't stop your rebellion against God, you're all perishing, all of us on this planet. So whether it was the Tower of Siloam back in uh, Jesus' time with his apostles asking him about that, or the tower collapse uh, in New York City on September 11th of 2001, uh, then we're, we're, all, we're all dead. I mean, we don't have any escape. We're all in a body of death right now. So Jesus said we have to repent, otherwise we all perish. So he does use events in the news and you can virtually look at any uh, uh, event in the news and it talks about, you know, in the Bible that, you know, foreigners will rule over you and things like that. And what do we see? We see just tons of people coming across the border now from many different countries, not just Mexico, right. but they're coming in from, from everywhere and even our northern border right now. So, uh, and it's not just physical foreigners will rule over you. Think spiritually. Mm -hmm. Who are the spiritual foreigners? They're the ones who are far away from God. There's demons and, uh, you know, wicked people in high places that are, are running the show okay, that people right. don't realize. Jesus or the New Testament talks about we're not at war with flesh and blood. We're at war with uh, principalities and dark powers in high places. It's talking about the angelic realm. And remember, a third of the angels have rebelled against God. So they are influencing the events happening here now. So. Yes, we're at war 24-7. We, we have to realize that we're always in a war. The Bible is not just, again, sunshine and butterflies. We are in the fight for our lives, our eternal life, and we have to stop our, uh, our wickedness, our rebellion against God. Use the weapons of warfare. We have them. It's called the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness. Read the sixth chapter of Ephesians. The belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. We have the tools to use to win this war. We, Joe, could I say that if a person doesn't really feel like they're at war or in a battle, that they may already be a prisoner and they don't know it? Well, people are deceived. And uh, the devil, you know, the devil likes to have people not even believe that he exists. Mm -hmm. So they don't feel like they're at war. They're just, you know, I, I've got my job and I've got my home or whatever. And they're just living life. They're, they're putting food on the table and, and they don't feel like they're at war but they're being tricked, lied to, deceived. The Bible says the devil deceives the whole world. And, you know, so the end is going to come suddenly. People are going to be marrying and given in marriage, uh, like, like the days of Noah that you mentioned earlier. Right. They're not even going to know that uh, the end is coming. But that, you know, Jesus didn't specify 
the day or the hour that he's coming back. But he says, you know, you can have the general time season, just like, you know, you look at the trees and they're budding in the springtime. You know that the, there's going to be a bloom uh, sometime soon. So he says, you know, look at the signs of the times. That's why when you reach God's speed, which is another way of saying getting wisdom, by the way, if, if you get wise to what the Bible is saying, leaving the Bible, translating these names, uh, connecting the dots in the Bible, these are all tools that I give you in reaching God's speed to so that you understand it. You can know, uh, you can understand what's happening in the Bible. And you know why things are happening, whether they be wars or plagues or, you know, we just went through the COVID pandemic and everybody was freaked out. You don't have to freak out. You can get, eliminate all anxiety in your life because you know the Bible has predicted all these things that are happening. So, you know, Jesus said, you know, persecution is going to come. As a believer, you have to understand that in your mind. Being a believer doesn't mean you're going to have the time of your life until you die. You're going to be tested. God is going to test you just like he tested the ancient Israelites in history. He's testing America now to see uh, how far they're, they're going to go. Are they going to repent or are they going to keep going down this bottomless pit? And he does use that phrase, bottomless pit in the book of Revelation to describe this place that we're all in. My, a casual glance tells me that they're going to go further down than, than we can even imagine. Um, but, oh, by the way, we have this question from Tammy Hall. It says, Joe, do you believe in hell? Well, it's interesting because the Bible actually uses different terms that are, are translated hell. And uh, one of them is uh, the word Hades in Greek, which just means a pit or a hole in the ground. And people, you know, when you die, you're put into hell. Uh, into a hole in the ground. And uh, that's what the word means. The Hebrew word for it is Sheol. It means the pit. And we all, all are spiritually in a pit right now because we're not in the glorious high heaven where this earth is the valley of the shadow of death, which is the pit. So there, that's one meaning of the word hell. So in, in, that, in that sense, yes, I do believe in it. Now, there's another word uh, that is in Greek called Gehenna, and it refers to the valley of Hinnom, uh, in uh, ancient Israel, which was basically the garbage dump where they burned up all the trash. If you <laughs> put it in its simplest terms, the Valley of Hinnom, the Gehenna fire is the trash heap where they burned up all the waste products. And the, Jesus does use that phrase that uh, there is a Gehenna fire uh, that will uh, burn up into ashes, by the way, uh, people who are... Uh, absolutely rebelling against God and have no interest, no matter what is thrown their way, uh, there, there is that burning up into ashes. It's not an um, eternal uh, punishing. It's a, an eternal punishment where you're dead forever. There's a big difference between an eternal punishing where you're in agony uh, for, for all eternity. And, you know, they make God, many Christians, by the way, make God out to be the devil, where it's just a torture, absolute torture, if you never... Uh, came to the, the the word of God and repented of your sins. But God is a merciful God. And so uh, God will put you out of your misery uh, in something called the Gehenna fire, which is not um, a, an eternal punishing. It's an eternal punishment. Well, let me let me put something to you here. That, as you were talking about, and I'm, I'm really tuning in to the whole uh, Godspeed concept that you're talking about is strictly, it's amazing. And I do recommend people get the book. Somebody said, well, how much you, how, what's your cut, Daniel? Well, look, I'm not getting a cut. I, this is a great topic. And Joe, you already helped people. And I don't, I don't, so don't, I don't ever, ever get compensated for anything. I think, but anyway, let me, let me, but anyway, so I thought about this thing. 
um, in, in an event, I'm going to take an event that happened uh, a, for me personally, a, a sort of a traumatic event, a big event. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a beekeeper. Okay. So I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm by my beehives. I'm looking at my row of beehives and I look up and there's a swarm of bees sitting right there, right behind the beehives. Now to a beekeeper, uh, that's a good thing, right? And so looking at it from a Godspeed lens, I'm, I'm going to say, is this the type of thing that one could do in their daily activities? And this, for the people watching, this could be anything that represents something like I'm going to describe. Okay, so was that swarm of bees a divine signature gift of God saying, Daniel, you're on the right path? Was it uh, the bees or people who I am going to lead to Jesus? Uh, let's just say, and I, I lead them to a beehive and put them in there, and they get there and the, bring them into the house of God. Or are they, say, evil thoughts, evil intentions, things that can sting me that I have captured and brought prisoner and put them into the hive as prisoners? So looking at it from God's speed, how would I be able to tell which message uh, that I could discern from that, just that that activity of trying to apply God's speed to everything. Right. Well, you know, bees do a lot of good and they can do a lot of harm, just like people. If you think of all creation uh, is representing people, that's basically what's happening, no matter what is, is talked about. Any noun in the Bible is usually referring to people uh, for the most part. Now, bees, as you know, they make honey and they... Uh, the Bible talks about uh, the word of God being sweeter than the honey from the comb. Mm -hmm. So uh, honey is a very uh, good thing. Uh, it's sweet and uh, it's very tasty, as you know, and can do a lot of good even in, in physical healing for people. Um, now, uh, bees, when they're angry, can do a lot of harm and they have stingers on them, as you know, and uh, they prick you just like all these other things. Mosquitoes for instance, are the deadliest animal on the planet. I don't know if you know that, but more people die of a, uh, from mosquitoes every year than any other animal cause. So uh, all these things that pierce you are representing people that prick you and harm you and they're poking you, they're poking the bear if you want to think of it that way. So uh, if you are, are dealing with bees that you've angered somehow and they're swarming around you, uh, it, it's really a matter of, I think, people who are, uh, looking to harm you. But if, you know, everything, when it's in its tame state, when it's doing what God wants, mm -hmm. does can produce something good, whether it's honey, which is likened to God's word, sweeter than the honey from the comb, uh, in one of the Psalms that is sung. And by the way, if you never uh, uh, re read Psalms, there are bands out there like Sons of Korah that actually sing the Psalms in English and almost word for word, and you remember the Psalms. I never remembered the Psalms uh, just because reading through the Bible, you know, it's, there's a lot of, there's 700,000 words in the Bible. But when you know it as a song, just like these songs you hear on the radio, it's much easier to listen to. So, you know, find a band that you like that sings the Psalms, like Sons of Korah, K-O-R-A-H, and, and you'll remember the songs. But anyway, yes, when things like bees are doing their proper job uh, and uh, producing the honey in the hive or I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a, not a beekeeper by any means, so I don't know the exact thing that uh, they do, but they are all working for a, a bee in charge 
queen bee, as you know, right? And uh, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, they produce a very positive result, the fruit, so to speak. Uh, and when people do the right thing, they produce good fruit. Jesus even mm -hmm. likens yeah, us to, to trees. You know, mm -hmm. a, a good tree produces good fruit mm -hmm. and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Uh, so let the tree be good or let the tree be bad. If you have a bad tree, you cut it down and what? Throw it into the fire, the Gehenna fire. So that's uh, another Godspeed thing. Uh, but yeah, bees or other insects can do harm to you. So, if, so let me let me enlarge the question because that's what I really wanted to do. I didn't want it just to be about me. I was trying to put a sort of a, a philosophical question that could apply to everyone out there. Suppose their um, their car breaks down, uh, or they receive a check in the mail, or uh, they have a favorite song because you mentioned songs, movies, and all kind of ways that messages that God's bringing message to us. So I used a, just a daily event, a happenstance event. So for those people like in, in watching the program, say they, their furnace went out. Okay, Sh should they apply Godspeed thinking to everything that goes on in their life? Is there a message like that? Or yes, the, the simple answer is yes, and but they need to examine what's happening in their life. Uh, and, you know, God uses sometimes simple bad things to happen in your life. You'll see the phrase in the Bible, why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? Because God is spanking us at times with little things uh, to get our attention. Like, hey, you know, why did I get in that car accident or, or, or whatever? We all need to be examining ourselves at all times. And he uses bad things so that we go to him and stop our uh, rebellion, whatever it is. And some people's sins are more serious than other people's sins, but he, he can use good things to call blessings in the Bible. And the Bible uses that phrase all the time, you know, blessings will be upon you uh, when you uh, follow God. But also he gets your attention through the bad things, these little things that needle you, whether it's getting a traffic ticket or somebody cutting you off on the highway or somebody talking to you rudely. You know, you get into conversation with somebody, all of a sudden they start barking at you for for, for no other reason. Uh, God is, first of all, testing your character to see how you're going to react. But also we need to be self-examining ourselves and we should do this all the time. Are we lying? Are we doing something against our boss that we shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. You know, some people embezzle from their companies, mm. whatever it is. People, people spend all their time in sports, for instance. And there's nothing wrong with sports it's, itself. You know, they're, they're games of enjoyment. But some people know every little statistic about sports figures, and they couldn't tell you, you know, the Ten Commandments or one of the Ten Commandments or three of them. You know, ask somebody at random, you know, how many of the Ten Commandments can you name? Right off the top of your head. And maybe... At even Christians, maybe they can get four or five. And they're the usual simple ones like don't steal or don't kill uh, or something to that effect. Um, well, but a, they there, don't. Well, there, there's a whole bunch of Christians that still think that cherubs are little fat naked babies flying around with wings. Any what the they show, say in the Bible. But, you know, to your point about some of the bad things that can happen to you, you can get your attention and be a message. But, I'm, but at the same time, sometimes in your life travel, there's another part where it says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. So I think he uses both. Yes. And, he and, plays good cop, bad cop at times yeah. where, where he is the carrot or the stick. And that, you know, either you, there's a good incentive, like Jesus is promising good news and eternal life. And at other times he's whacking people. And he says all throughout the Bible that 
You know, you're going to have wars, you're going to have disease, you're going to have all these bad things happen to you, all these catastrophes. When a catastrophe hits a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Of course the Lord has done it. And I list in the Bible scripture after scripture after scripture of God saying he's the one causing the disasters. 9-11 didn't happen just because it happened. God caused it to happen because there's all kinds of sin happening. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to get our attention. Like, what are we doing wrong here? Mm -hmm. Anyway, for those, those, for those who think that God doesn't see their sin, I guess, um, you know, I was reading the scripture, one of my favorite series of verses i think it's in isaiah as well it says that they turn from god yet his hand is stretched out still so those people who haven't got recompense of what's going on their bad decisions it's not because god doesn't know it's that his hand is still stretched out so i, I agree with you and that's the, the messages are coming in whether they're be helping you out or just steering you whether they're positive or, or negative they're they're coming to you so if you're, you're not hearing from God, you, you are hearing from God, but we got to listen. In order for people to listen and wait, uh, 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 help to help them get to listen, I believe you've got in your book, Reaching Godspeed. Uh, Joe, how can people, how, how can they get that? You can go to reachinggodspeed.com. Again, it's all one word, reachinggodspeed.com. I have links to different places, whether you like it from Amazon or the WND Superstore. By the way, my day job is WND.com. We're a news site, and we do the real news, not the fake news that you see on, on, on television. And I used to work for those people. I was running uh, news stations all, all over the place in television, and uh, they're just a bunch of liars right now. Hey, so, uh, WND is, is, is one of my favorite news uh, right, that's where I, you probably saw that's the article. That's where I saw it. Okay, I didn't know because I, I, you know, I got Newsmax, Fox, and I got WND, and I'm always there. I, I, I couldn't remember. Well, well, hey, that's great to know, Joe. Yeah, I'm the executive news editor there, and so if you want a good news source, uh, I know that Tucker's been taken off Fox, and everybody's like, where do I get my news? You can go to WND.com, and we have tons and tons of free, absolutely free news. You don't have to. Uh, buy anything. But anyway, to get to the book, go to reachinggodspeed.com. Uh, there's links to Amazon or, or any, uh, you can go to barnesandnoble.com or you can just go to your bookstore. You know, people sometimes go to bookstores these days. If they don't have it there, you can order it. But reachinggodspeed.com has the most um, comprehensive uh, set of information. It's got a bunch of talking points. Some of the items we brought up here, even things we didn't bring up, like your own name. You know, when someone says, you're, what's your name or who are you? You'll say, I am Daniel, or I'll say, I am Joe. Did you know you're saying God's name when you're identifying yourself? Because I am is God's name. He says in the Old Testament, my name, he's telling Moses, my name is I am. Tell the people of Israel that I am has sent me to you. So you are already personally attached to God because he's telling you the end of the story because we're all going to get God's name. We're getting out of the human flesh and we're all going to be part of the family of God. So just realize God knows what you're thinking. He sees through your eyes. He hears through your ears. And you are already attached to God through your own identity of who you are. Wow. Outstanding. Joe Kofix, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast. How'd you like this format? Oh, I love it. You know, if you want to have me back on again, feel free, because this has just been a blast. And I hope people had fun with this, yeah. because God is fun. You know, it's not... Uh, it's not harshness all the time. God has a sense of humor, and he, he does want his message out there. And again, no matter what you're looking at, the news, uh, the songs, uh, commercials on TV, I fall and I can't get up. That's the message of the Bible. We've all fallen away from God, and we can't get up. We can't be raised without him. Wow. All right. Joe Kovacs, yeah, we'll reach out, re reach out to you. And if, 
here in the future, near future, and we'll have you back on. Man, it's been amazing. I've just been enlightened, and I'm looking forward to looking at things a whole lot different and get a lot more messages. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you again.